Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels. This episode was recorded at Wolfman Studios in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have a disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional, nor is anyone on today's show. This episode is more about personal journeys and TV show analysis. If you are struggling, I hope this show helps you, but you should also seek the help of professionals. Later in the show, I will be talking about the Netflix series Squid Game with Lee Dandy, the Sandcheck System, and Christy Seats. But first, Crystal Cornelius, a.k.a. Maxi Fauna, joined me in the studio to talk about her mental health journey and how her art helps her heal. Um, I am here with Crystal Cornelius. So Crystal is an amazing jewelry maker and burlesque performer. Ah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I wish you could see. I'm going to have to take some video because she's wearing a really great headband <laughs> that I love. I covet. <laughs> this is my crystal petals. My crystal petals look. That's great. You made Thank that, you. didn't you? I did. Yes. I was just like, let's let's just be as extra as possible today and mission accomplished. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think you. you did a great job. Um, so we have a new um, little gimmick I'm doing here where I'm going to do kid crafts while we talk. I love this concept. <laughs> I love it. Because um, I'm not very good at adult crafts. And um, I just want to remind people at home who are listening that you can do art and crafts. Um, just be artistic, be creative any way that you want. And it doesn't have to be good, uh, you yeah. know. Um, it doesn't have to... It doesn't have to be anything, honestly. Um, it could be something that you draw and just throw away. Yeah. Um, just do it. It's yeah. so good for your brain. There's sometimes it's just, even if you don't readily recognize it, there's like in a lot of people a uh, uh, desire to get out the creative t- creativeness in them. Even if you're not particularly creative, you just want to do something. You want to create. You want to make something you just want to make something and mm-hmm. it's all valid. And I think that goes back to our mental health. We just, we just want to put something really cool in the world and make yeah. attempts. And um, it also gives me something to fidget with while we talk, which is kind of nice. <laughs> um, but I will warn the audience that this is, I mean, I think it's for like six year olds, but it's very complicated. It is um, not easy. There are one, two, three, four, five, six different options. And I think there's some more on the back. Oh, goodness. There are more. <laughs> Different um, types. And they get more complicated as you go down. So I'm doing option one, um, and I'm probably not going to do a very good job. <laughs> but you don't have to. But I don't have to. <laughs> exactly. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, but you do. Uh, and do, do I? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get started with jewelry making? I know were the were the the bugs the first ones that you did? Oh no! It w- this goes back years i think i officially started crystal Beach in 2007 that's that's when i was like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna make money to fund my hobby (laughs) and it did just start out with like basic necklaces and things um it was a situation where it's like oh i see i see this gorgeous necklace it's really cool but it's i need i need it in red i need it in red can i Mm -hmm. can i can i do this in red let me see and so um yeah it it just kind of worked from there and then my friends were like this looks like something you bought at dillard's or at (laughs) jc finney or something and that was exciting but like the first time i ever did anything beaded made any kind of jewelry i was in college and um there was this i went to school in uh the uva fayetteville university of arkansas at fayetteville and there's this um there's a store there called dark star visuals and that's the first time i ever made a piece and creatively i was <laughs> i was very i want to say immature because i wanted uh, i wanted like all the colors and all the things and yes. sometimes having all the things is a is a is a setup where you have to know how to have all the things <laughs> yeah you have to you have to understand color and, and design yeah and the use of space mm-hmm. so i think it's all but I, I just you know just to have something 
wild and fun and free is absolutely fun and great but I was trying to be sophisticated and I did not know how so I did not enjoy my first time making <laughs> a piece of jewelry but redemption we all love redemption story <laughs> so here we yeah. are yeah see and that's something you know people need to remember that you aren't going to be perfect no. at first or even close to perfect no um so uh, just do it. And just to give an update, I have given up on trying already on trying oh. to do, trying to follow the instructions. <laughs> so I am just braiding now. And That's some, what I'm going to do. And that is braid. definitely part of the creative process is like once you know the rules or see the rules, you know how to break the rules. Yes. So, dude, just go for it. I know how to braid. And that's, <laughs> and that's it's what looking I can do. great. <laughs> and it's looking great. I don't I know how we're it will. on to something here. I don't know how it will turn into a bracelet when I get I, done. I can see it. The colors are great. I chose pink and blue and green. Excellent choices. Very mermaidy. We Very mermaidy. Yes. Love that. Yeah, you're a big fan of mermaids. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. I have my um, mermaid earrings on today that I just recently made um, from the Glowforge. What is a Glowforge? A Glowforge is a a laser cutter. Mm. It is this monstrously big piece of equipment that looks like, kind of reminds me of like a... You remember back in the day when we had to rewind tapes before we sent them back to yes. Blockbuster? Yes. And we have like this special little machine where you slip the VHS in and it rewinds it. And you like clip it down. It kind of reminds me of that. So let's get vulnerable for a minute if Ooh. you don't mind. Um, Absolutely don't mind. So what kind of mental health struggles do you have that oh, you use creativity talk. to help with? <laughs> okay, so I am like a lot of people anxiety and depression are at the very tippy top of the list and i just think it's the uh, it's the way our world is mm-hmm. it's there's not a lot of softness built in into how the world operates the softness comes from the people who are in the system um so you know having the i mean the literal human factor having uh grace with people um when you know they're not at a hundred nobody's not going to be nobody's going to be at a hundred every day and so I think that's very important to have that grace with people in this world where it can very much chew you up and spit you out Mm -hmm. um so I think that's why a lot of us feel so so rough as far as being depressed and is and having anxiety it's just we're a little knocked around and um we're just writing we're we're preparing for the next hit mm-hmm. and i th- but there are ways that we can gird ourselves and uh soften the blow by doing creative things by bringing joy to ourselves bringing joy to others um, I think creativity creativity is one of the big ones. Um, even if someone is not creatively inclined, there are a lot of people like that who appreciate the art, uh, the art of arts, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's anything from like uh, visual arts, music, just acting, act. Yes, yes, dancing. yes, yeah. yes, dancing. I, 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 when I think of art, I've had to like really expand my idea of what art is no no, it's not just visual it's not just this it's a whole plethora of things that you know make people think bring joy or maybe not bring so much joy but again will help you think and maybe work out something so yeah it's it's a myriad of things it's wonderful so do you uh do the jewelry for a living not really it's it's more of a that's the that's the end goal eventually Mm -hmm. i wanted i would love for that to be my sole income uh i do have a day job um and it's and it's your regular office job Mm. uh so a creative person like me needs a creative outlet yeah to balance that 
uh, I, when I was in college at Fayetteville, I, I have a degree in computer science and this was like the first couple of years I was, you know, getting all the, uh, all the coursework done so I can get that degree. And something in me felt dealing with all this technical stuff. And I was like, golly, I don't feel right. Mm. And I realized, I was like, you haven't done any art. So I started taking art classes and eventually got a minor in art studio. So um, that, I guess that was a way that I used creativity and art to, to, uh, <laughs> to balance out the slings and arrows of, being in it and not maybe me not necessarily being that mentally inclined not to say that I couldn't do it it was just not my natural natural setting yeah um but the art studio was (laughs) and that can be very stressful if you're trying to do something that doesn't feel natural to you it can be and you and you're trying to tell yourself that you're not unintelligent or you're not uh incapable it's just it's just a little hard to catch on because it might take some extra mental steps Mm -hmm. um yeah so just Um, because you're artistic doesn't mean you can't be technical (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is true. I want to talk about burlesque. Absolutely. I mean, one of the f- my favorite things in the world. Yes. Um, you. How long have you been doing that? I think it's been five years. Oh five wow! Years. Wow. And through a pandemic. <laughs> yes. I think that kind of that that kind of stifled my growth a little bit as far as getting out there, but. I did start a burlesque troupe then, so... Tell me what got you into it. Because I know you talk a lot about body positivity. Yes. Um, so uh, was there something that triggered this? No. Actually, it was my burlesque dad, uh, Scott Waller, a.k.a. Puss Power Bottom. <laughs> uh, he's a burlesque uh, feature here in uh, Little Rock, uh for a very long time, very talented, very generous. Um, I, I think Scott recognized something in me, but at the time when we were first going to do these things, I wasn't recognizing it. <laughs> um, so I still had some, some, uh, some ways to grow before I could do it at the time I didn't know I wanted to um but I mean like of course I was enchanted because it was you know gorgeous people mm-hmm. glitter sparkle the center of attention on stage taking off the clothes was a little bit intimidating but I mean glitter and feathers and sparkle he can say no to that and and so he uh, Scott would take me to uh, a lot of burlesque shows around town uh, invite me to burlesque shows that he was performing in and nice. um eventually it got to a point to where it's like you know what let's do it and there was this uh show called uh spa city sweethearts it was Mm -hmm. in hot springs it uh raised money for valley of the vapors uh music festival um and it was a show that was dedicated to people who were amateurs for burlesque or any kind of oh, okay. kind of vaudevillian acts, but it was mostly focused on burlesque. Um, you know, it was just a, a really good time. And so I got, <laughs> I finally bit the bullet. And um, after months of preparation and tutelage from my burlesque dad and um, some help from a friend of mine whose name is uh, Joseph Wrightsky. He's a local... Um, reupholsterer (laughs) he does like really really excellent fancy work um but he also in a past life lived in new york and was a clothing designer for the public library there oh wow um one of the things i always say he probably gets i probably like wear him out on this but i just think it's fantastic that this happened he dressed angela bassett no yes 
And I'm just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like incomprehensible noises. Like she is a goddess to she me. She is. So, um, yeah, someone who dressed Angela Bassett has designed burlesque costumes for me. And I just, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe I uh, happened upon wonderful people like Scott and like Joseph who um, are willing to give me their time and attention and energy to make my burlesque goals become something amazing. And you get to make jewelry um, for (laughs) burlesque performances. I do. I do. And that's one of the things that I am working on as far as what jewelry is suitable will be not be in your way Mm -hmm. when you perform. Like you don't want to have like, something smacking you in the face when you're trying to take off a a, a, a sock or a, or a stocking. Um, so I, we're experimenting with some things. Um, I love headdresses. Um, headdresses are uh, just something that I think you just put on. It's comfortable. It fits well. And as long as you don't have to swing something over your head, it just... <laughs> It's going to make you look cute. It's going to make your act look cute. So, uh, yes, I love some good burlesque jewelry. And that's another thing that um, Scott taught me is back of the house. Um, Whenever you have a costume or a piece of or an accessory, you want that thing to be seen at the back of the house, from the back of the audience. Mm -hmm. So, you know put some sparkle on it, put some glitter on it, put some crystals on it, uh, make it a bold color, something that, um, it's a small, it's a, it's a detail, but you don't want anybody to miss the details. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of what we're angling for. I also like to do pieces for, for drag queens because, oh my gosh, that drag queens and burlesque is is very closely related. Um, so, what's your favorite piece that you've done for either a drag queen or burlesque performance? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think some of my favorite pieces. It's probably the piece that you have is the Wisteria crown, um, because it was just exactly how I envisioned it. It was. It was light. It um, caught the light. It had a beautiful color. It just felt so ethereal. And it was something that required a lot of work. Each petal was made individually. But um, the time and attention to it really, I think, uh, showed in the end. Mm -hmm. Because um, it was just a good piece. And the pictures that you took with it are just so beautiful. Just so beautiful. It made me feel beautiful. So for my audience, I I got <laughs> I got a headpiece from Crystal to um to wear for a photo shoot. So you don't have to be a burlesque performer to no. get these. Um, you can just be fabulous. Yes. And um, I absolutely loved it. So it it did make me feel goddessy. <laughs> Ooh, we love that. That's and that's very important for me to hear because. I want to make pieces. I mean, my pieces are not your typical pieces um, that a lot of people would wear day to day. It's something that has a statement. I, I, it, it, it's it's to be seen. Be prepared for maybe just some people to come up and and ask you or talk to you about it. And as an introvert, it has taken me some time to, to uh-huh. get used to that because I'm just like, I'm just out here. Why are y'all, why are y'all staring at me? Why is everybody staring at me? And oh yeah, it's because you have like these biblically accurate angel earrings on with wings with a big old eyeball in the middle. They're gonna, you're going to get looked at. So chill out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, but to hear that someone felt goddessy is absolutely the things I want to hear that somebody felt elevated by something that I made and that they wore and that they connected with. So, yeah. Uh, yay. And something that that's something that you do for me. Um, when it comes to my mental health, I have a lot of body issues. Um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I have my, almost my whole life, you know, since I was a little kid, I've had, I've had body issues Same. and, uh, 
you know, sometimes I don't feel beautiful and I want, (sighs) yeah. And Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, just because of my size that I'm gross and I look at you and I'm like, oh, you're showing that people who are bigger can be absolutely gorgeous. They can can be and they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important that that representation gets out there um, because there were other plus size models that I was looking at and I was like, you know what? I think we have the same and I hate mine, but I love Uh hers. What's happening? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's definitely one of the things that I've noticed is that we're our own worst critic. Like Mm -hmm. nobody can tear us down. Like we tear ourselves down. Um, at least that's been my experience. So we are not as kind to ourselves as we are to others. And that's something else that I'm working on is giving myself grace. That's um, my burlesque name is Maxi Fauna. And um, I heard this name on uh, in years ago, probably like 2010. Um, an NPR, uh, NPR. I am losing words this morning. I <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I heard it on the radio on NPR, um, and they were talking about Maxi Fauna in relation to woolly mammoth. So Maxi Fauna re- literally means large animal. <laughs> yeah. So if ever somebody wants to make the comment that you're fat, I was like, my name is Maxi Fauna. I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I, and oh, gosh, and you hate to see that you know sometimes some burlesque performers still get some grief from other people who might been in the industry longer and maybe not so much as them they're meaning to be cruel they just keep pointing out the obvious that they're bigger okay and they're good and and they told him that they were a, a great performer they just kept mentioning that they were a larger person and i'm just like yeah um but because we are larger doesn't mean that we can't do yeah beautiful amazing things doesn't mean we can't dance doesn't mean we can't model doesn't mean we can't inspire doesn't mean we can't be beautiful it's just I don't know if they were amazed because this person is a very very talented performer like knock your socks off I, but I was just like we still got so far to go Yeah, but there is a lot of acceptance um, as far as um, plus size performers in the community because a lot of them are and so when you do burlesque going back to anxiety and depression yeah, um, does it help you or do you have like, like when you're about to perform is it just Uh, a load of anxiety that goes through you i am a person who i'm just fated to be in some state of anxiety um um, for right now uh but it's like this thing it's just like any other job like i love being on stage i love connecting with the audience i love connecting with the performers in the backstage area where we're you know just talking and you know doing burlesque girl burlesque guy burlesque days stuff and um i love it but sometimes when it comes the day of and you're packing up stuff and you're looking for a pasty you got one pasty (laughs) but you need to and you're like why did i agree to this (laughs) And you're just like, oh, there's so much stuff to do. And then you're like going over the routine in your head. Um, and you're like, okay, you know, because no matter how much you practice a routine, you're going to go over it yeah, and stress out about it until you do it. And it's just like, ah. Uh. But then, you know, you get your stuff together. You're in your car. You get to the venue. Your mood starts to lighten. You get to see people. You start changing. You sit to see the 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 audience start to fill up and you're getting a little excited and then you get the set list and you're like, okay, I'm third. So let me, (laughs) and then you get more excited. Then you, um, get out there and your mood completely lifts and 
I don't think that me and Maxi Fauna are two separate people. I think Maxi Fauna is very much an aspect of Crystal mm-hmm. that hasn't had a uh, a means to get out because she's she's very flirty. Um, she's very confident. And I think that's kind of what I want to be more of, but it's still in me. I just gotta be more maxi some days. Um, but then you get out there, and everyone is giving you energy. They're you're giving them energy, and uh, you wink and smile at people, and you see their little reaction, like they blush <laughs> a little, they sit up a little straighter. And it's wonderful. And then you get your second number done and we and you just enjoy the camaraderie, you enjoy the audience, and it's the most wonderful thing. And one of our burlesque great <laughs> she's Louise, who I am constantly impressed with. She just got a one woman show in New Orleans. She's amazing. She is burlesque royalty. Wow. She's one time she said something to the effect that the best part about her burlesque show is the drive back home in the car. And I just laughed because sometimes it is, because it's such a relief that you had it done and it went well. So it's no shade at all to the industry of burlesque or what burlesque is. It's just like it's to me it's a job well done. Mm. It's a job well done. We did well. And in all this anxiety that I had about not doing well or not having a hard time or not finding a pasty or losing a pasty on stage, which has happened. You just got to cover that stuff up real quick. (laughs) And once I get it done and it's over with and I realize I had nothing to worry about, not that it's going to change the situation for the next show, but (laughs) it's like, I tell you, bitch, you did it. It's like, bitch, you did it. I was like, you did it. Yes. Like, you got you you did you did the thing and i think people should do that more with themselves like celebrate the little things to realize you know you are not out here not, not for nothing you are doing something and it might not pay off immediately or um in this or even after a little while but eventually it's going to do something amazing for you and you're going to be like so relieved yeah. yeah. Sometimes doing stuff that scares you is worth it for that payoff. Absolutely. It's important to grow yourself as a person. I think that when you stop learning and stop challenging yourself is when you truly die. And that could be at any age. So it's very important to me to... um to do that to do something that scares me and then it's like okay that's not so bad and then that's kind of it could be a thing that leads you to a greater skill set you did something now you know what it's like you're used to it you can can you do it again yeah i think i could do that again so you've you've grown yourself yeah and it i i would say that it doesn't have to be every day and um it doesn't have to be something big like if it's you know a phone call you know, a lot of people are scared of phone calls. Mm-hmm. And um, and if that's something that you that makes you very nervous, uh, maybe do it. <laughs> maybe yeah. call a friend. Call um, a friend. I mean, you um, don't have to. But, you know, if uh, if that's something that scares you, that might give you some uh, relief if you try it. Set up that doctor's appointment you've been putting off. Yeah. That dentist appointment. I'm talking to you, Crystal. <laughs> so just just do it and you'll you'll be the better for it. You'll feel accomplished, especially if it's something you were nervous to do. You will, you know, give yourself a little extra pat on the back for doing it. And that's good because then the next time you you get ready to do it, you're like, OK, it wasn't so bad the last time we can, you know, growth is important. Yeah, <laughs> growth is important. And definitely doing something that makes you nervous makes you scared is is important to your growth 
Yes. Like I was nervous okay. about making a bracelet because I looked at these instructions I and it just, I, I, I think I blacked out for a moment when I looked at these. That's another reason I wanted to do this kind of stuff is even like kids crafts, make doing something in front of somebody else mm-hmm. makes me nervous. Ah. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to show how bad I suck at this thing that's supposed to be simple. Well, too um, bad. You don't <laughs> suck at it. Well, even if I did, though, that's the thing is I want to be okay with sucking. You stepped out of your comfort zone and that's important. Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted people to know before we sign off? Oh, goodness. Um, www.crystalbijou.com is where you can generally find all of my pieces that I have for sale. Um who knows what's out there by now <laughs> I have just been I I have no rhyme or reason like it would I could do a capsule collection I just have to like f- make myself focus on doing that and not getting out in the weeds and wanting to do something else so there's not anything like oh this is a whole nice neat connect collection Maybe in the future. Right now, I'm just playing with my Glowforge, trying to make cute mermaid earrings or cute clack fan earrings. Um, so that was a very long uh, description about my <laughs> page. I am sorry. Um, also, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Hopefully, I will get hip enough to operate TikTok. <laughs> and I'm hoping to do a YouTube channel soon. Oh, great. It's... I, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be about, but I just want to have that experience. Yeah. About doing fun stuff. So I think you'd be great. And um, Arkansas Shake Shakers, I don't know when this is coming out. It's going to, we're going to have a show at uh, Legacy in Little Rock uh, on May 13th. Okay. Yeah, it'll come out before then. Okay. Cool. So May 13th at Legacy? Legacy. I think it's on John Barrow. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we'll be having a Arkansas Shake Shirkers will be having a pride show in June. I think it's the last weekend in June, and we'll have a uh, our um, we'll have a guest star, Coco Rose from Atlanta. Oh, I'm very excited to see her. That's great. That's exciting. It is good stuff happening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for inviting me. This has been I I, I love talking to people about on podcasts about creative processes and this was definitely fun thank you again crystal cornelius in this next segment we talk about the netflix show squid game and its representation of addiction joining me are queer tattoo artists lee dandy the sand check system and christy seats who will be helping me co-host for as long as she can stand me so we're <laughs> we're doing a couple of different crafts we're doing um puppets and man- mandala I don't know if I say that right, um, coasters. So, um, yeah, you might hear some scribbling. You might hear some just paper rustling because we're making puppets out of paper bags, which is awesome. Um, and today we are going to talk about a couple different shows. Um, I'll just start with uh, Squid Game. Is that okay? Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, Christy, why don't you explain what happened to you yesterday when you were going to watch just the first episode? Oh, gosh. So. (laughs) Something happened? So Jen told me that uh, we were going to be discussing discussing Twin Peaks and Squid Game. And I was familiar with them both, but I'd never actually seen either one of them. And so I said, okay, if I'm going to be on the show, I should watch some of it and Jen suggested just maybe watch the first episode of each that way you get a feel for it so I was like okay I'm gonna start with Squid Game and watch the whole thing (laughs) oh boy (laughs) so you're not caught up (laughs) that is typically how that happens with that show it's how it happened to me yeah I just couldn't stop we've got to finish it yeah, I think I started, I started it. Now I have to finish. I'm trying to remember like, what time yeah. it was. I don't know when I started, but by the time I was done, it was a, like 15 till 1 in the morning. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I struggled a bit getting up this morning, but I'm here. 
So, and how do you feel emotionally? Oh my god! Sounds accurate. Yeah, yeah. relatable. I just, I don't, I don't do violence well. I don't I'm do so gore sorry. well. Yeah, I uh, recommended a bad one. Well, but the thing is, I remember when it was on everybody's minds, and it was, uh, I was on TikTok, so I, I would hear a lot about it on TikTok, and people would use the music and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I had an idea. I knew, I knew what I was getting getting into and I was like nope I'm gonna stick with it because now I'm invested (laughs) yeah that's familiar so yeah and also I want to say that the way it ended I just think that I can't remember how I can't remember his name but I feel like he's gonna turn into Batman Oh, you mean Gideon, oh, the yes. main character? Oh. Okay. Yeah, he, 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 it seems he's going like to try. Be, he, it seems <laughs> like he could be Batman to me. I don't know. He, he could be. He's got the money. He does have the money. <laughs> it's the most important part, obviously. Uh, he's just important. not as... And the tragic backstory. He's just... Gideon makes mistakes. He yeah. do. A he lot do. of them. <laughs> yeah. He does. Who is... So you, you wanted to talk about your favorite characters? Sure. Or just... Um, whatever kind of subject we want to get on from, from Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I just sort of needed something to binge because I wanted a distraction that night, and I turned on Squid Game, and like Christy, I watched through the whole thing until 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and uh, so same thing, same hat, same boat. Um, I ended up loving it. Uh, just I couldn't. I didn't expect to. Because it just felt like one of those kitschy things that was popular right now. And I'm like, what's the hype? All right, let's see what's going on here. And I turn it on. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This yeah. is... And what hooked me is because it happens to me every time. Uh, I love noir. Noir is a genre or it's a, a genre that's often mixed into other things. Uh, the the key points of noir are that it's dark. Um Typically, the characters don't get what they want. There's a lack of satisfaction. They are often all flawed. Uh, It's usually a very frustrating genre to watch. Like, you just get mad the whole time. Like, why are you guys fucking up? Can't you see your problems? You you are the cause of your own problems. These are the consequences (laughs) of your own actions. And they never get it. And But... It allows me to experience those emotions in a isolated setting. And then I, I usually end the uh, despite how the movie or tv show ends i feel better afterwards because i experience all the frustration and all the grief and anguish and nervousness in a safe place and then it's over mm-hmm. and then i could go back and it allows me to be vulnerable with those emotions which are usually pretty uncomfortable uh and Squid Game is, I would classify it as noir because all the characters are heavily flawed. It's very dark, and it ends with a a dark ending. Um, Some people might argue with me on that, and I'm just like, you're you're welcome to be wrong. It's fine. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. Um, I would call it neo-noir, which means it's kind of like semi-futuristic. And the only other example of neo-noir that I can think of that I would confidently say is Blade Runner. And so um, I would say that Squid Game kind of qualifies as neo-noir because some of what's going on seems just a little bit in the future. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. uh, they're in the the first, the, the red light, green light game and it's the the cameras like sensing motion and then the big sky opens like who who the hell has a, a thing that opens that big you know yeah. um it's it's just a little techie but not so much so it leads me to believe that maybe it's only 10 20 years of the future at most uh it's it seems not too far away from where we're at now yeah. um so i would still put it in that neo noir category plus i just like neo noir i like the concept of it um I would say a lot of cyberpunk stories would fall into neo-noir as a category because a lot of cyberpunk does do the, the gritty thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to um, sidetrack a little bit because sure. um, I, I want to talk about the psychology of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this first. Which part of it of the – um, psychological aspect of it did you want to talk about? Because I know you had something in particular. Um, well, nothing really in particular. I have a lot of things that I can yeah. talk about. Um, I guess just starting with talking about the premise of Squid Game is that they, they target people who are financially in dire straits. Like mm-hmm. uh, 
um, suicide would seem like an appealing option to most of these folks. So, um, and they, they target them on the street. They introduce them to the concept of trading bodily harm for money uh, with the Dokju uh, game. Yeah. And, uh, and they kind of get introduced to that as a concept. So they, they uh, get pulled into the squid game because they're like, hey, what if I told you you could win a whole lot of big bucks for the same thing, which is really misleading. It is the same, but it's not. You didn't tell anybody that they were going to die, but yeah. you know they just that just happened in the red light green light episode, and and uh, and still the. But they came back. Yeah, like they, they came back. Ninety three percent came yeah, back. Yeah, mo- most of them decided to come back. Um, I feel like Squid Game as a as a thing is like complicated underneath the surface and let Mm -hmm. me preface everything that i have to say about it with that i am an american i am not a korean and uh, there's a lot of subtext that native koreans are going to pick up on that i will entirely miss i may be completely off base with a lot of things so i just want to throw that in there as a as a disclaimer i am speaking about this strictly from an american viewpoint as somebody who really likes noir really likes neo-noir and cyberpunk and all of that kind of thing um I feel like there's a lot of statements that they could be trying to to make about, you know, the need for money and about uh, capitalism and feeling, you know, like a lot of things are pitted against you. But you'll notice a lot of the main characters that they focus on, with the exception of, of... a few of them most of them put themselves in this position and some yep. of them got just got really unlucky uh gihun's entire it's entirely his fault what the position that mm. he's in it's yeah. ho- wholly his fault so is songwoo like both of them and, and you could reasonably think that uh songwoo is uh, was reasonably wealthy beforehand but he just decided to commit a lot of fraud for whatever reason and whatever he was involved in he lost billions now the the fbi wants to arrest him and uh even goes as far to go to his mom and and uh say hey where is he you know he's wanted uh by the police he should turn himself in and she's like what she had no idea yeah so he's like a the white collar crime in this um whole scenario whereas gihun is just a gambler who has an addiction to gambling i think that's a good place for me to start actually let's talk about gihun yeah the main character um we are introduced to him at the first episode where he goes and steals his mother's credit card to go mm-hmm. bet at the racetracks and um, uh, guesses her password to get all the money out of her account, goes to the racetracks, and does manage to win pretty big. He loses everything, and this is just a cycle that keeps happening to him throughout the series, is that he gives up all personal uh uh, everything important in his life for the sake of gambling. Mm-hmm. He and he never gets better. This never improves. This trait will probably this flaw will and should follow him into season two whenever that comes out. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be real mad because I'm just <laughs> like you don't just grow out of that. Because at the last couple episodes, he yeah. fell for the same shit. And I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, uh, money doesn't change that. It doesn't yeah, take no. away addiction. No, it does. It can not. actually just make it worse because now exactly. you are able to yes have more addictions <laughs> yes and uh it just is going to facilitate that for him i am pretty convinced so he decides to come back to squid game after seeing how horrible it is i believe that he probably would have stayed away and tried tried to make right but um uh oh ilnam shows up and uh this is not happenstance. That old man did it on purpose. He probably uh-huh. went to several of the, the participants and did this exact kind of thing. So we learned later who he is. Yeah. But he just happens to be at the store in the neighborhood. Oh, do you live around here? Oh, what a coincidence. Let's sit and eat ramen. And, and I'm going to tell you my sad story about my brain tumor, about how I'm going to go back. Because, you know, like, uh, it's just as bad out here as it is in there. And, and he was like, oh, dang, you're right. You're feeding my addiction. You make you're making me think I could win, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back to the Squid Game, and he abandons his mom, who has been diagnosed diabetes and and mm-hmm. has no money to pay for her treatment. He also uh, slapped a hand away that reached out specifically to help him over this, just for the sake of his pride, which is a secondary problem that he has. Um, not only is he addicted to gambling, but he's very prideful, and he won't accept help from anyone. Um, now, granted, that did come out of a uh, cost of like, oh, I don't want you to speak to your daughter again. But 
and that sucks but he wasn't exactly doing anything to help his daughter either so yeah. mm-hmm. you know uh kind of a complicated situation but he still probably should have done what was right and helped his mom um and maybe crawled himself out of the hole proved that he was a decent person and i'm pretty sure that that his daughter's family would have let him talk to her eventually because they didn't seem like bad people to me uh what little i saw of them um anyway well, and she could have she probably would have um convinced them to let her i mean because she's yeah. her own person yeah she's her own person yeah and i'm sure that she would have wanted to see her dad again but she probably didn't really like watching her dad punch uh her stepdad in the face that was probably pretty yeah. traumatic for her um Still, it was not cool of Gihun to do that. My po- whole point is that he repeatedly sacrifices the important people in his life for his addiction. He decides to go back to Squid Game. He makes it all the way through Squid Game. And then he gets all of this money, and he doesn't do anything with it. He just remains uh, a rambling vagrant for a while. And we just see him on the, you know, sitting there, and he gets the card. And uh, then he goes and, um, uh, one second, um, I'm about to say spoilers that you haven't gotten to. No, I caught up. I'm I'm caught up on the spoilers part because oh, okay. we we're going to be talking about it today. I just need to actually like go back and. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm good. So he meets up with uh, Oh Il Nam, and he knows who it is because you know they sign signed at the at the bottom. Uh, uh, your Ganbu, and mm-hmm. um, so he's like, oh, what the hell? And he goes, and of course, uh, Oh Il Nam's there, and he figures out who he is. He gets really nice and mad about it, and it's like. Uh, you wonder what's going to happen, and Oil Nam tempts him yet again and says, you see that old man out there, that drunk? I bet you uh, nobody comes and helps him by midnight. And so he makes a wager with him. It's not money, because now he's learned that money doesn't exactly appeal to Gihun. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Gihun's just addicted to the gambling, to the game of chance. Mm-hmm. So he sits... The funny part to me is like this entire time while Gihun's staring out this window at this old guy freezing outside, he could have gone down there and helped him himself. Yeah. And he doesn't. Yeah. And it's like you are just as bad as all the people that you hate right now, all the people that watch Squid Game, you're going to be one of them because you just watched this old man almost freeze to death. And you watched as somebody went down and helped him and i think this is uh oh ilnam introducing gihun to the concept of being a spectator and yeah. being one of the the people in the mass that are one of the vips and i wonder what we're going to see in season two if he's going to be tempted to fall down that same rabbit hole or if that's going to become a thing like what what kind of character is gihun going to become is he going to become this vigilante that we are led to believe that he's going to be or is he actually going to fall into that and become a, a VIP, become a spectator. Mm-hmm. And what happens with um, the front man? You know, like, how is he going to deal with Gihun's problem? Because the, the thing about Gihun is is he's addicted to gambling. So what kind of wager is he going to make in season two? Is he going to try to take all of them down with what money he has, which they have so much more? They gave him yeah. all of this money for funsies. Like, this mm-hmm. is just what they, they ended up giving. Uh, so they're obscenely rich beyond any imagination so whether he has money or not doesn't really matter so money's not a factor here it can just facilitate whatever bad decisions he decides yeah. to make exactly <laughs> so i i'm frustrated by gihun but i will have to admit that he's a very interesting character um i think people who see him as a hero are really missing the the point he's like you forgot about the gambling addiction yeah. <laughs> you forgot about how he just left the old man out there to freeze to death when he could have just said fuck you i'm not gambling on the person's life run down there and be like hey old man you want to get a ride out of here let's i have all of this money i can give you a, i can buy you a house you know he could have done anything for that old man but no he watched him freeze yeah so. I, I would say there aren't any characters at all that you'd say are good people no. Um, well, but I mean, there's also, you know, the fact that there isn't black and white, you know, everybody has their demons and everybody, you know, absolutely. Um, but I don't know, would you say he's more of like a, a caricature of somebody with addiction or do you think that's kind of a realistic depiction? It's hard to say, I know, because it's such an extreme example going into like betting on people's lives. 
I think something people forget about noir in particular is that noir inherently is a caricature, which is why it goes very well together with pulp and camp. Yes. Because the purpose is just like a drawn caricature to exaggerate specific features so that we're forced to pay more attention to them. It's not that they're not inherently something that is at its core unrealistic, but they are being pushed a little bit artistically on purpose so that we're forced to confront those features when normally they're a lot more subtle in real life. Yeah, it definitely makes you think about it. (laughs) That's one of those important things about that genre that, that I think people miss pretty frequently is just the fact that it's, it's not meant to be 100%, you know, realistic as much as it's meant to point out that it's not actually the strangest thing anybody's ever done mm. <laughs> in that scenario. Oh, not by So a long it's shot. one of those things of would an addict actually abandon their family that way? Of course. That's happened mm. lots of times mm. for anything, including gambling. Yeah. The would only people thing... risk their lives for a bunch of money because they're in a really bad position? Yes, that's absolutely yeah. happened. The only thing but... like strange like, like and pushed is the circumstances in which they're mm. in. The premise of, of the question is the same. You know, how much would a person give up if they had the right motivation, if there was something that they wanted, uh, or is it fueled by whatever? I think the most interesting thing about Gihun is that we learned that it was never about the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because at the end, no, he doesn't care about it. That or he learned at least that part of his lesson, but I don't think he's quite figured out that the gambling doesn't go away just because your motivation for it changes. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it clearly didn't. No. Yeah. No. Why do people watch it? That's a why good question. Th- or why did you watch it? Why do I watch Why did I keep watching it is a yeah. good mm-hmm. question. Um, I like gritty stuff. I, I just I just enjoy uh, gritty things. But I realized there was a lot. Like, I think I got lost in the complexity because the premise seems simple. Mm-hmm. It feels like the premise is pretty simple. It's basically, you know, it, it's Thunderdome. You know, we've mm-hmm. all seen the story before. But I've never seen it told this way. I've never seen uh, a different country's take on it. And there's they went about it, even though it felt like it had the same jacket, you know, it, it still felt different while I was watching it. And I was interested all over again. And I think the frustration is what kept me watching it. The, the exercise of frustration, mm-hmm. like, is this guy going to get any more tolerable than what he is right now? <laughs> And he just doesn't. (laughs) But that's something I like about shows like that because those characters are very believable to me. Um, Those characters I actually enjoy as much as I complain about them. And as much as, like, I don't enjoy them as a a concept, I also can't deny that they've hooked me. I'm very invested in where the story goes with that character because I'm still hoping for better. And I've watched enough noir to know that I shouldn't do that (laughs) but again it's my favorite genre it allows me to experience that kind of frustration and uh it's also very psychologically engaging for me because i try to figure out what it is that drives the characters what's their what's their what motivates them uh what are they losing if anything and do they care? Can mm-hmm. I tell how much they care? How much? How compassionate are each person? There's no denying that Gihun cares mm-hmm. about the people in his life. Why does he fail them though? Like why does he continue to fail them? Why is why is his ambition or his need to gamble more important than his compassion? And he's got to come to terms with this idea that he is not the good man that he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ego there. And I just can't wait to see what happens with it. Uh, And I really hope that something happens with it. Um, Whether good or bad, if it continues to frustrate me, I would prefer that than to be completely disappointed where it's all resolved and everything's fine, you know. I would just kind of be disappointed in that. I'd be like, okay, I can stop watching now. (laughs) You've you've stopped frustrating me, so now I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it's maybe it's kind of an emotional masochism. I have no idea. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Please come back next week for another interview and a discussion about Twin Peaks.